Welcome to Nick Chats, ideas and inspiration from senior living leaders with host Beth Mace, Nick's chief economist and director of outreach. Get to know some of the people influencing senior living today and perhaps learn a thing or two from their experiences. Hello, and welcome back to Nick Chats podcast. My name is Beth Mace, and I am the chief economist and director of the research and analytics team here at Nick. Thank you so much for joining us today. The focus of the Nick Chats podcast is talking to interesting people that have ideas that I think you'd like to hear about. As you listen today, I hope that you will find some humor, insights, inspiration, and hopefully what I call an aha moment when something pithy or insightful is said and a light bulb may go off for you. Now, let me tell you a little bit more about the podcast series. Each podcast has a standard structure. First, I will tell you three statements about my guest, and two are true. Throughout the podcast, you'll learn which are true and which are false. Second, there are three standard questions with each podcast for each speaker. The first is, identify one of the largest challenges facing our industry. Second, identify one thing that we can do to grow talent in our industry. And third, what is one innovative way or idea to strengthen our industry? Now, before I begin, I also want to let you know that the 2021 Nick Fall Conference will be held in person in Houston at the Marriott Marquis from November 1st to November 3rd. You still have time to sign up, so we hope to see you there. Now, as they say, on with the show. I'm delighted that today's Nick Chats podcast is with Ed Williams. Ed is a managing director at Bercadia. Ed, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Beth. Now, as I mentioned, I have three statements about Ed. Um, Two of these will be true and one will be false. And throughout the rest of the podcast, you'll be identifying which are which. So those statements are that Ed and his family have two cats and one dog. That Ed himself has five brothers and sisters and that he ranks number four in the order. And that he has his oldest daughter has shifted schools eight times in her life. But before we get into that, let me get on with the interview here. So, so Ed, you're a managing director at Bercadia with a focus on mortgage banking for the seniors housing and skilled nursing sectors. Can you tell our audience a little bit more about Bercadia and what your job entails? Sure, Beth. As, as you mentioned here at Bercadia, I'm a managing director in our seniors housing and healthcare group where I focus on a day-to-day basis uh, helping owners and operators of skilled nursing, assisted living, uh, memory care, and independent living facilities uh, find financing, whether that be through um, our Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, HUD, or our bridge loan programs. Uh, That's been, uh, I've been in that business for the better half of 20 years, uh, and it's been a, a really challenging but pleasant experience. Uh, over the years, I've developed a, a pretty strong passion for uh, for seniors and as, as they are uh, kind of our most vulnerable in our population. Um, so it's when you go into a lot of these buildings, it's and you see you're able to see uh, seniors that may be veterans, of, you know, from you know, world wars. Uh, I think it's it it, it 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 gives you a warming feeling, um, and it also helps that I love crunching numbers. <laughs> That's a good combination. So you have passion as well as the analytical skill set. That's great. 
So Burkadia ranks among the largest HUD lenders for our sector, as well as a large lender for both Freddie and Fannie. How has Burkadia achieved that success? Well, I think Burkadia, as well as, you know, others in the industry, again, over the years, you you have to be, um, number one, you have to be patient um, and ever evolving in, in, in in these markets. So I think that's important. I'll sort of draw on something that our CEO, Justin Wheeler, uh, often uh, a term that he often uses. And uh, what he says is we like to take the long view. And for me, uh, I think that that means, number one, you're always focused on kind of not the immediate objective, but we're really sort of looking forward and what the ultimate outcome is, particularly for a client. as it relates to you know, just kind of our team, I think we do have a great leadership team. And I think that's very important when you, when you talk about uh, Justin and, and, and a lot of his counterparts. Um, Bercadia does a good job of hiring and identifying the best and brightest talent uh, in the industry and also retaining that talent. I think that's also important. Uh, and, and also, uh, being innovative, forward-thinking. Uh, those are some pretty solid traits that I think give us success, um, not just, you know, over the years, but, as, you know, kind of on a go-forward basis. Yeah, I mean, labor is certainly a big issue today for all firms um, trying to maintain their staffs. So that's good to hear that you have a strong track record in retaining your staff at Burkadia, especially about relationships, since so much of the banking industry really is is relationships. So you can keep your staff in place. That's good for business in the long run, I think. So tell us about what actually happens. So you have a relationship, Burkadia, to HUD or to the agencies. So do you do the underwriting or is it a rubber stamp process? Who does the underwriting and who sources the deals? <laughs> sure, sure, sure. I, I wish it were a rubber stamp process, yeah. but in this environment, uh, it's, it's, it's far from that. Um, but if, if we can kind of break them up a little bit, I can sort of give you high level sort of distinctions. Um, and, from, and I'll try and give it from a, a borrower standpoint. Uh, from a borrower standpoint, it's the, the, the HUD process is really, I'm going to call it in, in a normal environment, a six to eight or nine month process from, from underwriting to, to closing. Uh, the Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac processes are much shorter. Generally in this, you know, 60 to 90 day window is, is basically what it takes to get those done. Um, and the 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 real difference is 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 in the underwriting um, with with the GSEs. Uh, Bercadia has more uh, sort of authority, if you will, to approve um, and, and 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 underwrite those loans. Uh, Fannie is is slightly different than than Freddie in that uh, Fannie Mae loans we take a loss uh, a loss share on those, so we have kind of a little more uh, authority than we would on a, on a, on a Freddie Mac, on a Freddie Mac loan, but essentially um, to a borrower, it's just a function of um, timing and how quickly you're able to get through the, through the process. And, you know, the, uh, the agencies, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac are largely um, 
dedicated to what I would say, what I would call private pay. So that's AL memory care and IL, whereas HUD um, is, is, the, is the product of choice for skilled nursing um, and, uh, as well as, as, well as uh, assisted, uh, assisted living, private pay assisted living. All right. That's really that's really helpful. So I don't know that everyone sort of understands that distinction. And um, have you seen a shift during the pandemic of um, who's been more active in the market? Has it been HUD or Fannie or Freddie or, or both? Has nothing changed? Well, HUD has always been in the business. It's a, it's a government entity. So, you know, we have to be able to deliver the, the, the HUD has to provide access to credit in the market. Um, so. I would say without question, HUD has been in, in the market and, and, and Fannie and Freddie have, but to a lesser extent, um, again, each of these uh, lending sources have throughout the pandemic and the, you know, all of the developments surrounding the pandemic have tried to figure out how to underwrite and de- ex- deliver and extend credit in these environments. And I think all all three of those uh, entities have done, you know, the best job possible uh, given these, the circumstances uh, with trying to keep COVID out of their buildings, the staffing challenges, as well as um, the ebbs and flows of census in, 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 in these respective markets around the country. It's been a, it's been a challenging time. That's for sure. Um, so I have one more question related to Percadia. Increasingly, we see a lot of businesses focusing on um, diversity, equity, and inclusion programs or so-called DEI guidelines. Is that something that has, um, you've been seeing at Percadia as well? Well, I, well, I would say yes. Um, but I would also say that I think that, it really should be a focus, not just for for, for Bricadia, but really um, all all large and small companies, really public and and private. I think it really it, it's not just that it's the you know the right thing to do to diversify your workforce, but I think it's the smart thing to do. Um, I think our customers, um, you know, will oftentimes want to see. People come into their office that look like them, have similar thoughts and ideas uh, about the world in general. So I think really it behooves Bricadia as well as others to, again, when they go out and, 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 and bring in new talent, that there's a focus on uh, casting a wider net. Um, and oftentimes that means that may mean going to places that you know, to look where you haven't historically um, looked, um, you know, for example, um, you, you, you're seeing where um, a lot of companies have have been have put up greater emphasis on and, and focus on looking to attract talent uh, by visiting uh, more uh, historically black colleges and universities. Um, I personally didn't attend one, but. Um, several of my siblings have, and I can tell you that um, you, in those institutions, you do find some of the uh, some very strong talent, um, and and those will be great additions to to anyone's organization. All right. Okay. So that's great. That's a good cue up for one of my questions about a truth or a lie. So, is it true? Do you in fact have five brothers and sisters, and are you ranked number four? <laughs> that that is. 
correct, Beth. I do have uh, five brothers and sisters. Uh, there are uh, three boys and, and, and three girls. I am ranked number four. Uh, the first uh, the first four of us are really more of stair steps. Um, there's there's only a four year gap between the first four. And then uh, there's a three year gap between uh, myself and a, a younger brother. And then another three year gap between myself and a younger sister. So, well, you and I have that in common then, because I come from a family of six children as well. But I rank as number five, so I've at the been at the bottom of the litter most of my most of my life. And the age gap between me and my younger sibling is eight years, so there's quite there's quite a gap in there. Fun fun times growing up. That's for sure. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, that's a bunch of your girl, and they're all brothers. But yeah, we won't get into that. All right, sure. so um, so let's shift a little bit and talk a little bit about yourself. So, um, you know, you've been in the business for a long time in terms of senior housing and in terms of lending. So if there's young folks listening to us on this call, is there any lessons learned that you could share with the younger um, listeners on this call today? And sort of secrets to success or lessons learned along the way or something that you could share if you were talking to your own children about things, you know, how, ways to achieve success? Interesting. My kids don't really like to hear my stories. Uh, (laughs) It's but they do get interested. Um, They do have interests when others are telling my story. Um, So what I'll do is let me tell you how I got into this business. So uh, I went to school uh, at a university in Columbus, Ohio, uh, called Capital University. And after school, I thought I wanted to become a a go into the financial services industry um, and be a and be a broker. So I started down that path and 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 did that for some time. But ultimately, I realized that that wasn't the true path for me. Uh, And I ultimately decided that my other passion was real estate. Um, I ultimately relocated, moved to the DC area, uh, started graduate school as, as kind of a means of transitioning, uh, into, uh, commercial real estate. Um, and that the transition was a little more challenging than I thought, um, in that, um, you know, making, making that transition into, uh, to a, a different sector was, was a little challenging. So, to, to find opportunities, you know, what I would do is I would read um, the various real estate publications um, and I would identify individuals um, in the newspaper and find their addresses. And I would literally hop on the, the, the metro in D.C. and go to their offices, um, just pop in randomly to to try and um see if there was an opportunity for me. Um, well, that, that's interesting. So I, I did something similar, actually. I don't know that it, I don't know it's still done that way. But I also, when I was looking for a job, did the exact same thing. I had a list of people and I was living in California looking for a job on the East Coast and also contacted each person on a list and then followed up with a, the old fashioned letter. And then yes. followed up with an old fashioned phone call and then followed up with an old fashioned letter. And actually that persistence 
got me a bunch of interviews and opened some doors for me. So that would be like a lesson learned that I had to a younger person is don't give up and keep on trying and persistence and tenacity wins the day. (laughs) Exactly. And that's exactly what, what happened. Uh, the first gentleman, um, said I was pretty, I had a lot of, you know, I won't use the term he used, but, uh, (laughs) you know, to, to basically come into office, but he, he actually appreciated that. And he gave me a few other names. One thing led to another. And a a week or two later, I, I received a call, um, about an interview. Um, and, and if I were to fast forward from that, I ultimately took a job in the business with a boutique HUD lender, uh, in Maryland. And that was really the start of my career in, in the kind of working with, um, you know, working um, to finance HUD insured sure. properties and underwriting right. those deals. Okay, um, so that, that's great. So, so now, so now that's behind you, and now you you have a family and you're managing director of Arcadia. So you're busy. You have kids. You got to balance. So any lessons learned on how you on how you balance it all? So, so you've given us the secret sauce on how to do it: persistence and tenacity. So now you've gotten there. Now you're in the next challenge is how do you do it all and how do you balance it? Well, it's so interesting. Um, that That is probably, uh, and I presume you're talking about sort of a work-life balance is, is yeah, kind of what exactly you're speaking right. to. Uh, finding a work-life balance has probably been the hardest because, you know, you, you kind of, when you're learning the business, you want to absorb as much information as possible. Um, you want to make yourself available at all times and it requires working early and, and late. So making that transition was, was hard. And, and quite frankly, I had, it, it's been a while trying to figure it out, but the, I, I think over time, um, you know, I, I, I ran into a few health challenges over the years, which sort of prompted me to start to think about doing things differently. Meaning, meaning that I would try to work more efficiently than 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 sort of taking time to just for the sake of time. So I think we, the, we have that in common too, Ed, because I I had some significant health challenges in my life, and it does recalibrate you, and you do try to be more efficient and more productive and really focusing on the things that that matter to you. Exactly. So. Agreed with that. So let me switch the topics again a little bit. And now let's talk more specifically about the seniors housing industry. What do you think is one of the largest challenges facing our industry today? Is it capital availability? Is it the pandemic? Is it occupancy? Is it building census or something else? I, I think it's it's a combination of a couple of things. And they're all sort of, I think some of them were challenges pre-pandemic, but I think uh, the developments around uh, COVID-19 have, have put a sort of a spotlight on a few things. So um, clearly we have challenges um, in the labor markets and then where uh, in whether you're talking about private pay assisted living or even or skilled nursing, um, those operators are struggling to find uh, staff to fill their buildings. And so that's the biggest challenge today is staffing. I, I think staffing was a challenge pre-COVID, but it's 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 a significantly larger challenge uh, for the industry 
uh, now and in, in, in some parts of the country, um, your yeah, the, the staffing impacts your ability to uh, grow census. So that's a problem that has to be uh, resolved. Um, okay. And hopefully that, you know, it can happen with a partner, you know, with a public and private sort of partnership. Um, so, so let me bring this back to what you had said earlier. So one way to grow talent in the sector, we were then we we're talking about DEI programs and, you know, the idea of more diversity in, in the workplace. Um, is that one way to grow talent is to go into schools and universities that are, um, have higher concentrations or more focused on? Um, yeah, I think that's correct. I, I mean, I was certainly speaking from the from the lending side of the business, but I I, I would I believe that the same could apply on the operations side of the business. I, I think there has to be a broad um, effort to grow talent um, and, and 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 individuals that that truly care about taking care of and, and taking care of seniors um, because that's the lifeblood of the industry. These are operating, these are operating businesses, but the care, the, the focus has always been on delivering uh, high quality care. So I think that that's in, that's probably first and foremost in terms of the challenge that needs to be uh, sort of front and center for the industry. Great. All right. So now let's go back to some of the statements I said at the beginning. So is it true that you have two ch- two cats and one dog? No. Oh, uh, what do you have? In- incorrect. I, I, <laughs> I do. I have no cats. Uh, oh, no my cats. wife is allergic to uh, to to uh, pet hair, which is why we have a golden doodle. Oh. Um, so we What's have your golden a, doodle's name? a seven. A, a seven-year-old golden doodle. His name is Davy. Davy. Davy Crockett. Oh, okay. Davy Crockett. All um, right. So, uh, so we've had him uh, since you know. I want to say he was two weeks old. So he's nice. he's without question part of the family. Well trained now too, no doubt. So, um, how about how about your oldest daughter? First of all, how old is your oldest daughter? So I have an 18-year-old daughter and I have a 15-year-old uh, daughter. And has your 18-year-old daughter shifted schools eight times uh, in her life? Yes. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> fortunately or unfortunately, uh, she she has. Uh, we, as, as I alluded to earlier, I, I started my career uh, in, in Maryland in, in the D.C. area which is where um, our kids were born. Um, and after spending some time, you know, uh, roughly 10 years there, we moved to Georgia um, and, and lived there for six years. And now we're in Arizona, uh, in, in, in Phoenix. So at every turn, there was a combination of schools that uh, uh, my daughters uh, both uh, uh, attended. So it just so happens that my oldest attended more schools than my, than my yeah, young, but, uh, my, so my young, not very far behind, but, uh, yeah, so you're uh, moving to hotter climates. Yes. Hotter exactly. climates as you go. So who knows where you'll be next time we talk. It, it, so, exactly. 
a couple more questions, or maybe just one here, actually. So I'd like to ask, ask this question to people who participate on this Nick Chat podcast. So what's one innovative idea on how we can strengthen our industry? It could be a financial instrument. It could be infrastructure. It could be technology. Um, what What's something on your mind when you go to sleep at night and saying, you know, if they only did that, that would really help our sector? Well, I, again, it goes back to that that need to grow talent in this, in this industry. Uh, and I think the, the, with the uh, best and bright minds uh, seeking out that talent, you know, comes, will yield innovation, will yield uh, best practices. Um, so I think it just really sort of starts, starts there. And it, it again, that's, that's on the operation side. Um as well as kind of the debt and 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 the, and the lending side of the business as well, yeah. we're, okay. we're we should always seek to find the best and bright brightest talent out there that is available to us. Well, here here on that. So, um, just as wrapping up, um, uh, if I was th- if I was listening to this uh, podcast today, you know, a couple of things here: tenacity, persistence, uh, working hard, it pays off. And then trying to measure sort of balance um, of prioritization in one life and I think one's life. And I think that that's something it's an ongoing lesson on, on how to do that and how to prioritize what's what's most important at any given moment. Right. So. So, Ed, I thank you very much for your time. I hope our audience has enjoyed listening to the podcast today and um, really appreciate it. Thanks, Beth. It's been a pleasure. And thanks for having me. <laughs>